Welcome back to an all-new episode of The Alex Strom Show. Today is Wednesday, May 8th, 2019. We have a lot to get to today, but first we have great news out of Georgia. Governor Brian Kemp has signed the heartbeat bill into law banning abortions after a fetal heartbeat is, is detected, or at six weeks. Also, if we take a look back in history, today is the 74th anniversary of VE Day, where U.S. and British troops both celebrated the victory over the Nazis in World War II. Alright, let's get started. So Brian Sims recently made some headlines in the pro-life community on Twitter. For those of you who don't know who he is, Brian Sims is a state representative in Pennsylvania, a self-proclaimed LGBTQ activist, and a civil rights attorney. The other day, he recorded a live video on Twitter of him harassing a pro-life activist. Here's a few parts of the video that he recorded. Hi everyone, uh, Representative Brian Sims here, and I'm once again out in front of Planned Parenthood of Southeastern Pennsylvania. Uh, it's not only in my district, it's the most heavily protested Planned Parenthood, I, I believe, in the country. And today's protester, now, she is an old white lady who's going to try to avoid showing you her face. Um, but the same laws, and luckily, that protect her from being out here also protect me from showing you who she is. And so my hope is, is that you'll donate $100 for every extra hour that this woman is out here telling people what's right for their bodies. So I have a couple questions for you, ma'am. How, how many children have you clothed today? I'm sorry, I missed your answer. How many children have you clothed today? How about how many children have you put shoes on their feet today? Have you fed any children today? Or have you just stood out in front of a Planned Parenthood shaming people for something that they have a constitutional right to do? Huh? huh? If you're here about the children, you can pray at home for children. It's probably the same place that you could feed a child, but you're not. Instead. You're out here shaming people for something that they have a constitutional right to do. Who would have thought that an old white lady would be out in front of a Planned Parenthood telling people what's right for their bodies? Shame on you. Shame on you for hiding your face at the same time that you're shaming other people. Again, the same laws that protect me protect you, and, and that's okay. You're allowed to be out here. That doesn't mean that you have a moral right to be out here. Shame on you. What you're doing here is disgusting. This is wrong. You have no business being out here. Hi, everybody. Thank you for being here. Yep. Disgusting. So do me a favor, please. If you're watching this, Planned Parenthood of Southeastern Pennsylvania is one of the most heavily protested Planned Parenthoods in the country, and they deserve your support. This, these are the kind of attacks that we can expect on Planned Parenthoods in the current administration. Shame on you, ma'am, for standing out here thinking you know what's right for other people's bodies. There are women that come here from counties away, miles away, because people like you are standing out in front of their Planned Parenthood, shaming them. You must have something to say. You've had something to say to every single woman that's come in here, every single couple that's come in here. You've had something to say, something to hand them. And yet now that you're on camera, you have nothing to say and nothing to do about this. Shame on you. There's not a person coming here that needs your advice on what to do with their bodies. Not one. An old white lady telling people what's right to do with their bodies. Shame on you. Shame. Shame. Shame on you. There's no faith that tells you you are right and everybody else is wrong. There's no faith that tells you it's your job to stand out here and shame people for something that they have a right to do. This is disgusting. This is wrong. This is shameful. So please, if you're watching this, even if it's just $5 that you can give to Planned Parenthood of Southeastern Pennsylvania, this is the kind of stuff that they have to deal with. Cowards that won't show their face when others are looking, but they will shame every single woman, every single person of color, every single family that walks in here looking for help, looking for guidance. 
Okay. I'm so sorry, guys. Thank you so much for working in a place that respects and protects women. Thank you, love you, Thank you so much. Please give $5 to Planned Parenthood. I'm back. So he keeps saying that she's an old white lady who is telling people what to do with their bodies. As if the fact that she is an older white woman had absolutely anything to do with it. And also, I'm pretty sure one of the strong pro-choice arguments is that people are men and can't tell what women can do with their bodies. So I'm sure that a woman telling women what to do with their bodies, or at least not to kill their baby in their body, is a, is a better idea. And then two people who work at that Planned Parenthood walk into the building and he says, Oh, thank you for working at a place that respects and protects women. Well, let's take a look at the Planned Parenthood they work at that apparently respects and protects women. There is a full report on this. I'll post the link to the report in the comments on this episode. But this specific location has failed 13 out of 23 health inspections. It has failed to report child sex abuse. They improperly stored bodies of aborted babies. They failed to report serious incidents to a patient. And they have had no background checks on their employees. Yet none of the incidents on the report of the, lo the location was never fined, penalized, or forced to close until the failures had been remedied. And this was directly from the PA Department of Health, too. So, Brian, does this Planned Parenthood respect women? After all, most women do feel coerced into having an abortion at Planned Parenthood. Or does this Planned Parenthood protect women? They certainly don't protect children from sex abuse, or having a facility that can pass a health inspection, or make sure their employees can ha have had a background check. But Brian doesn't stop there. Here's another video of him harassing three young girls. Hi everyone, uh, Representative Brian Sims here, and I am outside the Planned Parenthood at Southeastern Pennsylvania. Oh, no, they're leaving now. What we've got here is a bunch of protesters, a bunch of pseudo-Christian protesters who've been out here shaming young girls for being here. Hi. And so here's the deal. I've got $100 to anybody who will identify any of these three. So we're going to donate to Planned Parenthood. I'm going to donate to Planned Parenthood. So look, a bunch of more. white people standing out in front of a Planned Parenthood shaming people. Really There's nothing Christian about what you're doing. Nothing Christian at all about what you're doing. Hi, nothing Christian or loving or godly about what you're doing. So I've got $100 to anybody who will identify this. $100. See if you got some friends out here. 100 bucks. It'd be easier if you just give me your name and your address. Uh, um, Rich, come on. Rich, Rich, where are you from? Uh, Lansdale. Rich, what makes you think that it's your job to tell women what's right for their bodies? And the truth is, I'm not really asking because I don't care. Shame on you. So this guy is a state representative who is willing to pay somebody $100 to give out the names and personal addresses of these young girls to protest them. And as we, there's, a, there's an issue with this because you don't want people coming to your private, your, your private property, to your house, because you don't know who's going to come there. You don't want people knowing where you live. And they could, people could get the wrong idea and come attack you or do whatever. There's bad people out there. I'm not saying that people who are pro-choice are going to try to attack them. But there are bad people out there. But these are his constituents. And he's asking for people to show up to their house and protest them. The personal address of three young girls who are on public grounds using their First Amendment right. Key word here, public grounds. And again, he comes out saying that they're white, and you can sort of hear one of them say that, that she's not white. And I'm also sick of the ridiculous identity politics played by the so-called progressive left. Just because you're white or a Christian or a man or whatever they want to play, that's not being progressive. To use the words of Dave Rubin, the left is no longer liberal. The left isn't progressive, but they're regressive. And I have tweeted to Brian and sent him DMs on Twitter to come on my show to discuss abortion, but I haven't heard anything from him. And also, if you are in the Philadelphia area, there is a pro-life protest outside of that Planned Parenthood at 1144 Locust Street in Philadelphia at 11 a.m. on Friday morning. 
So if you're in the area, head out there and show your commitment to the preservation of life. Before we go on to the next topic, here's a quick word from our sponsor. There is a new book out now called On Fire by G. Stone Johnson that I really enjoyed. It is a true life adventure spanning a 30-year career of a firefighter paramedic. It is filled with more than 66 calls including house and condo fires, rescues, medical emergencies, gunshot wounds, and vehicle traumas. G. Stone Johnson was able to put you in his place to feel what it really was like being a frontline first responder. He helps you experience what it feels, sounds, and even smells like being alone on a raging house fire. After a busy day of fires and rescues, finally return to the firehouse and laugh at the firehouse antics and all the pranks pulled on each other. Sit down with my brother and sister firefighters for a nice hot dinner when all of a sudden the alarm rings and we start again. This book is a must read for anyone interested in becoming a first responder or just interested in, the to in this topic in general. You can get On Fire on Amazon.com and on Kindle, but you must type On Fire by G. Stone Johnson. It's a great book and you should definitely go check it out. Alright, so we've talked about social media banning people simply because of things they say and Facebook and Twitter are taking it to new levels. Facebook banned Alex Jones and Milo Yiannopoulos simply because they have a certain point of view. Facebook also banned Louis Farrakhan, which is sort of a surprise to me, but if they're going to start banning people like Alex Jones and Milo, then they should ban Louis Farrakhan as well. Twitter also banned a parody account of Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, citing that it was a false account, even though the account clearly said two separate times that it was a parody, which is not against Twitter rules to be a parody account. But the issues are bigger than this. Freedom of speech doesn't exist on these social media sites, and these sites are supposed to be platforms are no longer platforms, and they shouldn't be treated like one anymore either. These sites don't allow free speech, and this is really troubling for conservatives because these sites are all pretty much dominated by the left. Tim Pool was on Joe Rogan's podcast with Jack Dorsey and his attorney Vija to discuss things like this, and Tim focused on one topic for the most part. Tim talks about how Twitter has an ideological rule regarding transgender people. Twitter has been banning and suspending people who have a different viewpoint than them on the transgender ide ideology because it is apparently targeted harassment at an individual. If this rule is actually about targeted harassment of an individual, then why aren't the thousands of people who attack Ben Shapiro daily getting banned? The rule isn't consistent, and it is, a, it is an ideological rule that not everybody shares. But now Twitter is getting to the point where they are banning people simply because of their ideas, not for targeted harassment. And this brings another issue. Since these social media platforms are no longer platforms, they're editorials now. Ben Shapiro said The Daily Wire is obviously an, edit an editorial. He's the editor-in-chief, and he decides what gets posted. Twitter and Facebook are supposed to be platforms, but now they're deciding who can say what and what goes on. And then this breeds an issue with conservatives who now want regulation on these companies. It's difficult because I don't want the government regulating companies even more than they already do, but at the same time, I don't want conservatives being censored simply because they have a different viewpoint. And some people that aren't even conservative, who are, are pretty liberal, who are the real feminists, have been banned for the transgender ideology because they don't want women, transgender women competing in women's sports. But it sucks even more for conservatives because social media platforms are an incredible way to speak of your ideas and get your ideas out there. But since these platforms are absolutely dominated by the left, it's almost impossible to not use it. But my issue with government regulation on these companies is that nobody forces you to use Twitter. And I just don't think government should be involved in telling these companies what to do. One of the statements made by Facebook is they say that they have always banned people for things like hate speech. So let me ask you all a question. Is hate speech real? Let me know what you think in the comments, but I don't think it is. What is considered hate speech? Is calling someone the n-word hate speech? 
is using homophobic slurs hate speech. Is calling a transgender woman a man hate speech. Sure, they might be hateful things to say, but nothing that is said actually incites violence. Calling for someone to be lynched because they're black is violence. If President Trump was calling for Ilhan Omar to be attacked because of her anti-Semitic comments, then it would be inciting violence. But guess what? He didn't incite violence against her. He just condemned her words. Brian Sims was being really hateful to those young girls and that older lady calling them pseudo-Christians. But as a Christian, that's really offensive to me. That could be hate speech then. Is what is offensive to you just hate speech now? My roommate knows that I love Red Bull, but he said it tastes, he hates it and it tastes gross. That's so offensive to me. That's hate speech. The problem with people saying hate speech is real and social media should ban people for saying hateful things is that if you do it one way, then it has to work for everybody else too. Just because my feelings were hurt and I was offended by something others wouldn't normally consider to be offensive, like my Red Bull, doesn't invalidate that if we're just going to make offensive things hate speech. There's a reason why freedom of speech is the First Amendment, because it's the most important one. Alright, make sure you follow us on all social media platforms. You can find us on Facebook, SoundCloud, and iTunes by searching the Liberty or Death Podcast, on Instagram, at Liberty or Death Podcast, and on Twitter, at Liberty or Death P. Follow us to get updates on the show, news, and the best political memes out there. I'll be right back after this short break. All right, now that we're back, we're going to talk about red flag laws. So Ohio Governor Mike DeWine, who is supposed to be pretty conservative, but he's also supported an 18-cent an gas tax, has come out in support of red flag laws in Ohio. So for those of you who don't know, red flag laws are a gun control law that permits police or family members to, per to petition a state court to order the temporary removal of firearms from a person who may be, present, who may be a present danger to themselves or others. DeWine said, I am deeply concerned about what we are seeing in this country in regard to attacks on houses of worship. This is something that has to be deplored. I deplore it's sickening. People who go to worship certainly have the right to believe they are going to be safe. He then said, I have asked my team to work on that, trying to get a red flag law that can pass. That's my goal. It's kind of weird because Mike DeWine has supported constitutional carry in Ohio, which would let Ohioans carry a concealed carry permit or a concealed weapon with no license, which I approve of. But red flag laws just eliminate that right without, with absolutely no backing to it. The NRA, who is an organization that is supposed to protect gun rights, is also in support of red flag laws and the bump stock ban. They're basically not doing their job. So let's break down red flag laws. This law will take away the God-given right that is enshrined in the U.S. Constitution of a law-abiding citizen who hasn't even committed a crime on the petition of a family member or a police officer. I could literally walk over to the police station and report my brother for owning and buying guns and say he's a present danger to himself or others in my house, and they could take away his guns when he hasn't even done anything wrong. For all intents and purposes of the ATF, Aaron doesn't own any guns whatsoever, and I lost all of my guns in a tragic boating accident, so there's, not, I mean, there's no guns here. So the purpose of a red flag law is to prevent gun violence, and Jenna Ellis, who wrote an op-ed for the Washington Examiner, titled it perfectly. Unconstitutional red flag laws attack the rights of people who might, maybe, at some point, commit a crime. And that's literally all that it is. It's stripping away the rights of law-abiding citizens that haven't committed a crime with absolutely no due process whatsoever. Listen, just because I don't support gun control laws doesn't mean I'm okay with gun violence of any kind. I don't like seeing school shootings. I don't like seeing church shootings. I don't like seeing any shooting of any kind.
But this is a slippery slope similar to hate speech laws. Hate speech laws. And the left and some Republicans, as you can see with DeWine, are actively looking to strip away rights from law-abiding citizens that even if the Constitution did not exist, we would still have them because they are God-given and not government-given. Austin Peterson, who is a libertarian presidential candidate in 2016 and a Republican Senate candidate in Missouri in 2018, took some heat on Twitter the other day talking about gun rights. Austin was in a debate with Shannon Watts, and Austin said, How many people have to die before I surrender my rights? Answer, all of them. And then Shannon Watts replied tagging the FBI, and Austin responded saying, Call the cops. IDGAF. But more seriously, as terrible as it is to have gun violence happen, freedom isn't free. People think that it only applies to the military who fight for our rights overseas, but that also applies stateside. The answer isn't more gun control, but less gun control, and more guns in the hands of good citizens. One of the firearm instructors that I follow on Instagram was talking about guns in schools and armed security, and he said, Bad guys look for two things, vulnerability and opportunity. Let's not be vulnerable, don't give them opportunity. Besides a factual argument, this is probably the best pro-gun argument that I've ever heard. The other day I just asked Aaron what, what gun laws are constitutional, and he answered with none, because no gun law is constitutional, hence the shall not be infringed. But I said the same thing about free speech and why it is the First Amendment, and I'll say the same thing about the right to bear arms and why it's the Second Amendment, because they're the most important two amendments that we have. And now I want to end the show with my final thoughts, and I'm going to tie in the topics of today's show. We the people are the ones who are responsible for the preservation of our rights. This includes the right to life and abortion. The babies who are being killed in the masses by Planned Parenthood, they kill one baby every 97 seconds. There's a near 100% abortion rate for babies who are diagnosed with Down syndrome in Iceland. Guess what? When my mom was pregnant with me in 1997, they told my mom that I might have Down syndrome and they recommended an abortion. And she didn't do that. And here I am 22 years later pursuing a degree at The Ohio State University. These innocent beings can't fight for themselves, and that is why we have to fight for them. Free speech is our first and most important defense against tyranny, and it's also the way we have the free exchange of ideas, but the left doesn't care about that anymore. They want the government to tell you what you can think and what you can say, which is tyrannical in its own, and if you try to have civil discourse with them, they call you a bigot and a racist and want you to be banned from speaking at college campuses and banned from social media. If you look at Dave Rubin, who's a gay, Jewish, pro-choice, classical liberal, and you look at Sam Harris, who's an atheist liberal, they both believe in free speech, but they are completely outlawed by the left because they don't abide by their tyrannical idea of what speech should be. And finally on gun rights, the Second Amendment was not meant for hunting, but it was meant to be able to fight back against the tyrannical government that the left is fighting so hard to have. After all, our country is pretty much founded on a 3% tax on tea. And also the right to self-defense. The government has no right to tell you what you need for your own self-defense. An unarmed society is a weak society and is vulnerable to attack from the government and other violent crimes. But only if men were angels, but we know they're not. And that's all for the Alex Jerome Show today. We'll see you Friday morning with the Liberty or Death podcast. Thank you for listening.